Judd Nelson returns to the scene of his chilling underwater crimes in this action-packed thriller about a twisted screenwriter who recreates terror on Lake Shaw's unsuspecting cast and crew. Also stars Dahlia Salem, Brian Krause. I'm Corey. And I'm Paul. And we are the B-Movie, B-Movie Bros. Bros. Here review B-Movies to the best of our ability. Sometimes we get off topic, but randomness is a gift. Here we are, July, back to unnecessary sequels. And... You know, this week we're taking a look at the 2001 made-for-TV movie, Return to Cabin by the Lake. Of course, you know, you heard what the back of the box said, starring Judd Nelson of uh, The Breakfast Club fame. Ah, let's dive right into this shit with our technical difficulties, top and bottom three. What do you think, Paul? Top or bottom first? Well, it is a made-for-TV movie, so let's uh, start with the bottom. So, for me, number three... Uh, there was a huge plot hole when compared to the first movie, where in the first movie, the script of the movie being made in the second movie, his friends, Stanley's friends, got the contract to do the special effects for the movie, but yet they don't appear in this movie making the movie at all. And I just, I just thought that was strange, although, you know, if they would have been on set, they would have identified him and the whole plot would have been destroyed in a matter of like three seconds. I just kind of assumed they were part of the group that didn't want the movie made in the first place, but then again, I probably put more thought into that than the creators did. Uh, Number two, there are several close-ups throughout the course of the film where the visual quality drops very noticeably. Um, It's really annoying, really grainy, and just all-around unnecessary. I don't know, I'm not a big fan of extreme close-ups, and then when you get an extreme close-up and it's blurry and grainy and crappy looking, it's just even worse. Number one, although this is an unnecessary sequel, to this day in July of 2018, another sequel has not been made to this movie. And let's face it, Stanley would have been a great slasher. Hell yeah, he's one of the most underrated slashers and possibly the best made-for-TV slasher that I've ever seen. Alright, number three. The movie seems to heavily imply at times that Stanley had this deeper and more personal reason for killing people, other than just being insane and doing it to research for characters for his film. And that kind of took away from his character by adding more to it, which just really defeated the purpose. Sometimes giving people extra motivations is, well, like this movie, unnecessary. What I love, even at one point in the movie, he, he tells the person, you know, Stanley didn't know why he was killing people. Like, he just, he just did it to kill them. Yeah, but he did know why. He was doing research. Just and, that his movie was more important in their lives. And his agent told him to, to get to work. Yeah, I mean, can you blame a guy for doing his job? Number two, I felt like at the end portion of this film, it really kind of started running out of steam. Stanley really didn't have any motivation to continue killing or even working on this film. He was trying, he, originally he was trying to kill the director and the writer of it because they were butchering his vision. But then he tries killing the actors and it just seemed kind of forced. I mean, he wasn't doing research anymore. It just seemed like they killed off the, the, the um, villains of the movie, I guess, depending on your point of view, because... Stanley would probably be considered the villain to most people a little too early, and we're left with people who really, in all honesty, Stanley shouldn't have even wanted to kill. And number one, 
So Stanley kidnaps this movie named Allison, and at one point they're talking, and it seems, seems like she's got this really bad case of Stockholm Syndrome, and she's going crazy talking about killing the actors and other people like that, and she's really getting into Stanley's idea. But it turns out, spoiler alert, she was lying, and that she was actually trying to save everybody from Stanley, and blah, blah, she's the good one, and Stanley's evil. I, I, I wanted them, that's such a common thing to happen in these kind of movies. I was hoping they were going to subvert it. She would be end up being Stanley's, you know, lover and everything, and, you know, they just go killing people into the sunset, but sadly, Stanley couldn't quite get his happy ending. That shysty bitch. I know. I'm going to save people. God damn it. So, I guess on to the top three. Um, number three... Um, there's an epic boat fight scene murder thing that happens um, that really just, it makes absolutely no sense. He kidnaps this guy, tries to drown him in a lake, but the guy, like, unties his ropes and just, like, tries to swim away and, like, Stanley tries to run him over with a boat, but he keeps, like, dodging the boat in the water. And uh, it just, it's so comical that I, I couldn't help but laugh, like, the entire thing three or four minutes that it took up with a movie. At least I feel like it was that long. He upgraded from just using cinder blocks. Uh, number two, the film seems to maintain the same feel of the original movie, um, even to the you know, sense that it leaves the movie open for yet another sequel. Um, it does draw out a little more than the original movie, but the feel is, you know, still the same. Number one, Stanley himself, played by Judd Nelson. He's the same character as the first movie. He shows up to take over the directing, directing of the film that's being made based on the script that he wrote in the first movie, which is literally a script of what he did during the first movie. So he's showing up to remake the first movie, and chaos ensues. And Stanley himself, he just I, I love his personality as, as a serial killer, and his motivation of not really having motivation or research. But, you know, he's just, he's just an awesome kind of character. Stanleyception. Alright, number three. When I'm watching the first uh, film, Cabin by the Lake, I wasn't sure if they were trying to go for a comedy or if they were trying to make it a legit horror film, but weren't good at it and it ended up accidentally being funny. But this one I'm positive was meant to be funny. Some of the jokes were just kind of outlandish, but not not to the point where they weren't funny. And I like the fact that this movie knew what it was and I was well I was able to kind of laugh along instead of possibly laughing at it. Number 2, Stanley's motivations for his murders initially in the film were, you know, pretty interesting and well within his character. The movie he literally killed for was being made by a director who and a new writer who is butchering his vision? So obviously he had to he had to stop that from happening. And what better way than you know killing them? It, it was very Stanley esque. And number one, spoiler alert: Stanley is fucking invincible. Absolutely nothing can kill this guy. He is a true slasher, and his vision and his art will never die. He is the most underrated slasher, possibly, in all of history. But like I said before, in, in all of made-for-TV movies. 
Yeah, and uh, honorable mention uh, on the top, because this was a, t- a made-for-TV movie, they don't really use foul language or nudity in it. And uh, because of that, they have to get a little more creative with some of the shots, and they have to really, you know, play up the dialogue. You know, they can't just throw expletives out there, you know, instead of intelligent writing. And uh, speaking of the writing, I think it's time to do ourselves a good old-fashioned quote war. Quote war. We'll quote this movie back and forth, and you tell us who won. Why don't you get us started, Paul? As a human being, what do you like about my screenplay? What we really need to do is sex this thing up. You should direct. We must discuss the ending. Here, have some wine. The first script was a disaster. Please don't have me fired, sir. He killed people and dressed them up as up as prom queens. If that's not sexual, I don't know what is. It's just a movie, Paul. Yeah, but it's... Oh, wait. Was, was that the quote? Th- that ends this episode edition of Quote Wars. If you have a favorite quote from this movie, please leave it in the comments below or tell us who won this episode's edition of Quote Wars. And yes, it's just a movie, Paul. Was a quote. But it is just a movie. Or is it? Is Stanley coming for us next? Glad I don't live by a lake. So... I think it's time we give this film our final take. Remember, friends, our final take is a score on our shot scale. Our shot scale is a reverse scale, 1 to 10, 1 being the best, 10 being the worst. How many shots do you need to get through this film? I gave it a 2 out of 10. I gave it a 3 out of 10. I have to say, this is made for TV at its finest. It takes its lack of nudity and violence and translates it into fun and semi-original writing. I say semi-original because it's a movie that revolves around making the original movie. It's fun, it's campy, and if you can find the double feature DVD like I did, Pick it up. It really makes for a fun night. Return to the Cabin by the Lake definitely ranks above most made-for-TV movies that I've seen in my lifetime, and actually managed to be a pretty decent sequel. The creators were smart enough not to take the film too seriously, and managed to expand upon what made the original film entertaining. Judd Nelson reprises, reprises his role as Stanley Codwell, and does a great role at the job. If not a better job job than he did in the last one as the starving art- artist slash casual killer. Just like its predecessor, Return to Cabin of the Lake overcame the limitations inherent in a, t- in a made-for-TV movie with clever dialogue and creative jokes. It's definitely not a necessary sequel, but that doesn't mean it was a bad film. Yeah, and one of the biggest shortcomings of made-for-TV, especially back in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, was the violence. And they found a way for a serial killer, a slasher, to kill without violence. Yeah, it worked really well. For the most well. part. There's a... One of the creators of the show, um, regular show, once was once asked if he thought the show would be better if he if it was an adult cartoon and he said no because it forced them to be more creative with the jokes and kind of have subtle nods to certain things but overall family friendly and this movie really kind of encapsulates how when you make a movie that's kind of that's not that can't be explicit with violence or sex or anything like that you really do have to get creative so this is one of those those movies I can honestly say was a success at it so Normally, at this point, we ha- uh, give you an A-movie companion, tell you why this film and an A-movie are the same you know, film, just of different standards and caliber. But since this is an unnecessary sequel, we're just going to tell you why it was unnecessary um, in comparison to the first movie. And uh, I think it's self-explanatory that uh, Return to Cabin by the Lake is literally them making the script that was written based on the first movie. 
and really, you didn't need any more than the craziness of Stanley from the first movie. Yeah, there really was no point to it. The original stands alone really well. This one was fun, but the whole time watching it, I mean, I couldn't help thinking, man, this is a really unnecessary sequel. It doesn't add anything to his character. It really doesn't expand upon much, except kind of what a badass he is, because he can survive being fucking shocked in a bathtub. But overall, the original one was... It felt like it was meant to be a standalone film, and while I enjoyed this one, I I don't know, just... It didn't need to be made, I guess, is the best way of putting it. Yeah, it it wasn't necessary, but it was fun. Yeah. But I, w- I would love to see Stanley Caldwell come back kind of like in a leprechaun sense and, you know, send him to space. Have him by the lake in space, where he just, like, randomly finds lakes or pools of water to drown people in on a spaceship or some shit. Cabin by the or, crater. Yep. Cabin by the lake in the hood. And, like, he's just, like, drowning people in public swimming pools in the middle of the hood. Like... I don't know, I'm like, it could, it could go so many ways from Sunday, you know, just just like the Leprechaun series, I mean, you just throw him somewhere random and have him, have him drown people and, you know, talk about his writing or characters or whatever you want to do. Or even just have him kill people in all sorts of ways, like in this one he blew a guy up with uh, fireworks or something like well, that. Well, he, he threatened to, and then he just buried him alive. Oh, that's, yeah, I, I knew that the fireworks went off at one point, I couldn't remember if he actually, like, killed him with those but i mean that that was one thing he kind of he started killing people in other ways other than drowning them which kind of took away from his character but not not really enough and it was still pretty good you know what would be a great crossover is if stanley caldwell would come across the uh the houses from home alone after the the wet bandits left the houses, like the water running, and he drowned people in the basements of these houses. Like he's writing a movie based off the wet bandits, <laughs> just trying to be, just trying to trying to make it a murder uh, mystery movie. Home Alone by the Lake. Home Alone <laughs> Massacre. <laughs> okay, I digress. I think it's time to tell our friends how to drink away the flick. Drink away the flick. Come on and grab your drink. Let's drink away the flick. Bum, 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 bum. So we'll give some drinking games for our return to Cabin by the Lake. Number one, every time someone badmouths Stanley, take a drink. Number two, every time Stanley pretends to be a different person, take a drink. Number three, whenever someone claims to be the lead actress in Michael's next film, take a drink. Number four, anytime Stanley drugs somebody, take a drink. And number five, of course, because it's Unnecessary Sequel Month. Anytime you feel like this movie is unnecessary to the franchise, take a drink. Every time you hear music from the original Cabin by the Lake film, take a drink. Every time Stanley says that somebody working on the film just left, take a drink. Every time the visual quality of the film randomly gets worse during one of the close-up scenes, take a drink. And every time Stanley wears a disguise, take a drink. Those are your ways, too. Drink away this flick. But remember, friends, drink responsibly. If you have any thoughts about this movie or anything else B-Movie related, you can leave us a comment on either iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also email us at bmoviebros at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com dash bmoviebros. Follow us on Twitter at bmoviebros or my personal Twitter at bmoviepaul. You can check out all our other content, including reviews, interviews, and chats on our website bmoviebros.com, where we have new shows each week. If you want to support the show, consider donating to our PayPal or Patreon accounts. Links provided below. So, 
we've come to the end of week three here um, in July, Unnecessary Sequel Month, and uh, we've seen three movies. Let's rank, rank them. Uh, number three, The First Purge. Completely unnecessary, completely underwhelming, underutilizing the best character of it, just for shame. Number two, Beyond Reanimator. It does go beyond the originals and ruins them, kind of. At least Jeffrey Combs was still there. Always a plus. Number one, Return to Cabin by the Lake. You know, it's, it's just as campy as going to a cabin by a lake, and I love it. All right, number three, The First Purge. I'm not a fan of the Purge series, but and I feel like The First Purge kind of personifies everything I dislike about the series, about what a wasted opportunity it was, how it forces in um, social commentary, and how, man, nobody knows how to purge. It's so They're all so disappointing. Number two, Beyond Reanim- Reanimator. It was. It's by far the worst in the Reanimator series, but it has its good points. And hey, Jeffrey Combs reprises his role as as Herbert West, so that's always a plus. And number one, Return to the Cabin by the Lake. I was surprised to see that the punk from the Breakfast Club managed to corrupt and be a successful serial killer, who you know really managed to calm the fuck down. I mean, yeah, that's that's how I look at every Judd Nelson film, like, past 1990, is it's a, you know, unofficial sequel to The Breakfast Club, and this is just what happens to him after he grows up. You know, when he, when he can't bang Molly Ringwald anymore, he's got to, you know, move on to serial killing and, you know, fighting zombies or whatever Judd Nelson does in movies nowadays. That's how I view every film with Tom Hanks is a sequel to Forrest Gump, and it's just, like, his imagination, and he's playing, like, a game. And yes, that does include Toy Story. So, there you have it, friends. Next week, we'll finish out Unnecessary Sequel Month with a sequel that was never even meant to be a sequel. Ancient Evil 2, which was actually made by our friend D.W. Khan of Darkside Media. So until next time, friends, be brave, be alive, and be back for more. (laughs) 